Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. In case you didn't notice, there was this little art house film called Eternals that was released a little bit ago, caused a bit of a stir, made a couple hundred million dollars at the box office, and managed to simultaneously delight and piss off many diehard Marvel fans. So, uh, which were you? Last episode, we talked through some of the wildly speculative fan theories that were floating around the interwebs prior to release, and while it took a little bit longer than we'd like to get this thing edited released into the wild, we assure you that all of our speculation was above boards and completely in the dark. Of course, you probably already guessed that now by how many times we were wrong, but we wanted it on the record. And speaking of on the record, it's time for us to tabulate, adjudicate, and exterminate, exterminate, exterminate. Oh, sorry. I had a little bit of a Doctor Who flashback there. Sorry. It happens. All those years watching BBC. We're counting up all the reels and jabronis from last episode in this episode 81, Eternals Real or Jabroni Returns. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who once used his superhuman strength to lift a burning car off a grocery basket filled with prime rib. He has been my partner in ABC for over two decades and counting. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you, sir? I was doing all right until I did that intro, and then I like completely scraped the back of my esophagus clean. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I I'm just... I'm going to sound like Maja's sister for the rest of the show. <laughs> I might as well have just gargled with rock salt. No water, just the rock salt. Oh, dear Lord. That was... Uh, uh, for 81 episodes, that has got to be one of the more painful introductions I have mm. done. But anyways, I am doing otherwise quite well. Very and yourself, good. sir. I'm well, sir. I'm 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 excited. I'm uh fired up here to find out have I finally been able to vanquish you in in this this uh, highly contested operation we call Real and Jabroni. Yeah, I was listening to uh again one more time to apologize to all our faithful members of the Free Range IDC congregation for getting that lap- last episode out so late. Uh we are I th- I believe I'm going to make some changes to our posting schedule. I'm just going to say we're posting on Mondays from now on because Fridays for whatever reason getting this thing kicked home is just kicking me in the forehead week after week and i don't know why so i'm gonna try changing days and see if maybe that does it uh it could be just the fact that it's me however by as i was listening to that last episode and and getting it posted we were recording this on monday so posted earlier today and i was listening to the last little bit and i'm like oh i could be in some serious trouble here It was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I'm feeling about this, but I I have not looked at any of the maths that you have done, so I have zero idea, although I am glad to report, Hmm. quite happy to report, that my winnings from our previous Real or Jabroni, which is about, seems like four years ago now, finally arrived in the mail. It was in good condition, in good shape, Uh, not a scratch on the bottle. It looked quite lovely, a bottle of Koval rye whiskey. Yes. And uh, I did. I had not had a chance to open it until this evening. And so ah. uh, 
before we began recording, after I finished my dinner, I just said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to crack this open and I'm going to see what this, what, what this uh, tastes like. And quite happy to report. It's a, it's lovely. It's, it is surprisingly smooth. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a hint of cherry and a little bit of oak were some of the flavors I was picking up on my first little run through there. I didn't even have like a full, you know, single. I, I really just had a splash uh, mm-hmm. But what I what I had so far, I me likey quite a bit. So ah, very good. That might be an after podcast recording mint or treat for me. Uh, I think so. I uh, you know I I think I've deserved it. I think so. I think you do. I mean, you ask most anyone else in my <laughs> life, and they're like, "Hell no, he doesn't. Deserve, he doesn't deserve anything." I do though. So that's what. And that's Get you know, I'm bed. the one who's I'm the one who's pouring. So hey. I guess I'd make the rules. But before we get too, uh, more, too much more sidetracked than what we already do, uh, each week, uh, the man they call Tim goes out. He scours the interwebs for interesting tidbits of geekery and, and things of interest for us. And, mm-hmm. and a little rapid fire segment here at the beginning before we get into our... our <laughs> and by rapid fire, we mean 30 minutes or less. Well, I was, I'm trying to be optimistic. <laughs> it, it's, sort of the, it's sort of the foreplay, if you will, of the... It, Actually, no, that's a horrible way to put it. Never mind. Where are you going with this? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe oh I should have gosh. had the Koval. I didn't think I, I had I was going to say, much. why don't you pour yourself a double right now, please? Because I, I think we got to, you know, get a little in you, my friend. I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling a little dirty right now. But anyways, uh, what do we have going here for The Week in Geek? The Week in Geek. so funky all right my friend well uh as as is custom in the fall uh we are touching base uh each episode here on the progress of our respective fantasy football 2021 campaign that's right how you keep Uh, referring to it a campaign like this actually is meaningful like it isn't just fake football teams I, I just I, I give you credit for adhering to that and going to it week after week, sir. I, I, I mainly do it to hear you you spend about at least a minute just, you know, Lewis blacking on, on the whole thing and just, just like this is and fake. I fall for why it are we every, doing this? I fall for it every single time. I don't know why. But anyways, carry uh, on. So uh, we have two weeks to cover, but it will be brief. <laughs> I will I will I'm start sorry. I couldn't hold in the laughter on that one. <laughs> I, I will start with you, sir. So they all hate you. Have uh, have had a rather spirited past couple of weeks. Last week, uh, you went against the heavy, heavy competition of our, yes. our garbage team, and yeah. uh, put it away with a very slim victory, ladies and gentlemen. One fifty-five, I think, to uh, sixteen or something like that. No, it was it was six, and oh, and six, yet again, okay. all of the points scored by Nick Folk, although. If uh, you didn't do anything to change uh, the cellar dwellers for this past week, mm-hmm. Cam Newton is the starting quarterback. So, <laughs> oh really? Oh shoot! I need to do something then. <laughs> oh wow! They have fifty-two points this week. That's not good. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to make so, an adjustment there. I, I didn't have Thank much competition there, which was good because I had a couple of questionable things happen, and that all went da- went sideways on me. But right. uh, and then yeah, this things, week things went well. And then this week, week. you are going to have another W, uh, bringing the ship uh, back upright above water, uh, putting it even five and five. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm I'm not above water. I'm at sea level at this point. (laughs) Well, yeah. So so the ship is basically bent over kind of half in the water, half out, and he's about to get above. So, and the thing is, in our if uh, if my maths are correct, which 
Oh, that's a scary sentence right there. Believe me, no one ever wants to hear that sentence coming from me, especially if their <laughs> if their livelihood or their life relies on my math skills. But anyways, uh, if I have this right, mm-hmm. I am going to be in a tie for fourth or or third, however you want however you want to count yes, it here. I believe but I'm so. going to be in a, a five and five tie, and then the the teams above me will be seven and three. And then the, the, the leader is going to be eight and two. So I'm not that far out of first place, which is remarkable considering how this season has just been kicking me in the keister all season long. So I can't. I love I how can't you complain. have that optimism about first place. I love that. You know, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying I'm going to get there. I'm just saying it's <laughs> remarkable that somehow I am still somewhat in this thing. I know. You know, as my, and, and that's coming from someone who absolutely now hates fantasy football. And here's the reason. Here's a good reason why I hate fantasy football. So this past week, I'm, I'm eking out a 209 to 206 win. Mm-hmm. And partly because, once again, I have someone go on IR or get knocked out right before game yep. time. Yep. Which is one of the, my pet peeves about fantasy football is that there's just no room for error. Like, if you're not around your computer right at 1... Mm-hmm. You might have somebody just like get an ounce there, and and it's not only like are they are they out? They're now on injured reserve. Like they mm-hmm. wait until like five minutes before kickoff. So if you're not right by your computer, you know, like you have a life, you're hosed, which is just so aggravating that there's no like there's no way to account for that. And the thing is, like it's you have one of those and you're done, usually. And I yeah. I had that happen. So Julio Jones, of course, was out and is now on injured reserve. And I had him starting, and of course, because I have somewhat of a life. I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I'm jet setting around the country or anything, but I was, <laughs> I was, I was having lunch at a restaurant with some friends and, and enjoying myself, and come home to realize, like, oh, this dub is out for the rest of the season, and I'm looking at a goose egg in his spot. Mm-hmm. But somehow, and I don't know how this is how this ended up, I still managed to eke out the victory, even though my opponent. Had uh, he had Ezekiel Elliott, and then uh, what's the running back for Detroit Swift, mm-hmm. who were both like went off. He also had Patrick Mahomes. He had 35 completions, five touchdowns, and 406 passing yards. Jeez, 71 points in our league, sir. Yep. And I still somehow managed to win, even though I had a goose egg at a wide receiver spot. So I yeah. don't. I, go figure. I don't know. Wow. You know, I still hate fantasy football, but somehow I managed to pull this one out. So who could, who knows? Who knows what the rest I'm of out, you. They pull me back in. Yeah, I don't know about that. Not pulling me back in. I'm getting dragged. I'm getting dragged behind the horse is essentially what how this thing is going. So how about you, sir? How is how's your past two weeks gone? So week nine saw me uh, basically once again put on a solid performance. One ninety nine to one seventy nine over uh, the fourth place team. At the time, and uh, so m- maintaining my eight and one, and actually putting some distance uh, about two games between myself and second and third place. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, however, uh, you know, when, when you look at my roster, there was really no other way to play. Nope. Uh, most of my bench is on bye this week, so uh, the only thing I did do was bench Holden from New England just because I figure as a running back, he was not going to probably do much. And not that my replacements were much better, but they at least uh, <laughs> they at least put up more points than he did. Mm. Um, 
So yeah, and they, Brady did not have a good week. So overall, it was a subpar week. But I'm I'm really banking on a Debo Samuel 70 point performance tonight <laughs> to put me over the edge, ladies and gentlemen. And and if that happens, uh, I I think I I owe the the manager of, of of the team I'm I'm playing a phone call to just see if if he's still in good health. So no, I. That would that would basically mean that Debo, you have a one percent. I don't even believe they put you at a one percent chance. Like that, that has to be like a, just a margin of error, a one percent chance for you to pull this one out. Debo Samuel's, like, like you said, would have to have sixty six points mm-hmm. in tonight's game, which, and, and, which, that, and that game is going to be kicking off in about eleven minutes. Yeah, so we're going to be keeping track of that. He would we have are. to be like two thousand and seven Randy Moss mm-hmm. times two. Mm-hmm. Like he would literally have to be one of those characters that you create in Madden, where you just max out everything, so they're like a ninety-nine player rating, mm-hmm. and it still might not be enough. Because who the heck is who? Who's playing quarterback for San Fran these days? Is it Garoppolo? Who? Who's? Uh, I think it's Garoppolo still. Oh, dear, you're done. You're done. You're done. Wait, but but Debo's been putting up solid numbers. I mean, like, so so you jokingly were saying like what sixty-six points? You said so. Yeah. In our league, a an overperforming wide receiver is posting twenty to maybe thirty points at, at most. Yes. At most. Yes. So we're we're basically saying he needs to do a double uh, amazing performance tonight. <laughs> no, he would have to do triple. He'd have to do. It would have to be an, an impossible amount of points because I mean, yeah. it, or, or yardage because you're looking at. Uh, so what I'm guessing, uh, I'm guessing a reception is one point mm-hmm. and then it's probably similar to the passing stats, right? Yes. Yeah. So for just for perspective in our league, like I said, Patrick Mahomes had 71 points. But just looking at, at your opponent right now to get a get an idea for this. Dak Prescott, the quarterback who's going against you, 24 completions, 296 passing yards, two passing TDs. He had 51 points. You're telling me that Debo is going to get a couple of t- three. He'd have to get three, four touchdowns and over 200 yards receiving plus something like 20 receptions. I mean, we're talking Correct. like we're talking like essentially Steve Smith back in the day when he was like the only you remember the you remember the game that he had against Chicago back in the Lovey Smith days. And he almost had like 300 yards receiving, Yeah, which was baffling because I'm like, did Lovey not think that maybe it was a good idea to double up on Steve? I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He's the only guy that they've got. They're not throwing anybody else. And 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 Lovey's over there just staring out in the field. Uh, I mean, oh, Lovey and 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 uh, what Jim Caldwell just had that thousand yard stare of like, are they are they alive? They pass away and just nobody's told them yet. Like, are they on Thorazine? Like, what? What is it? I, I, if you're doubling them, I don't know. Maybe triple. I'm just yeah. saying. Just saying. You might want to uh, play a little D on that guy. Yeah, yeah. You D up on him, you know. But then again, I mean, there's those days where it's like, you know, when Wilt scored 100 points. I mean, the other coach had to have been like, who's got Wilt? Who's <laughs> who's got Wilt? Any who? Anyone? Any, okay, I think I found our problem. Now we're gonna keep him under 80 now. Oh. <laughs> But anyways, yeah. So I, I don't know. It could I, I, happen. I am gonna keep a. I'm gonna keep this window open. All right. And, and we will see how how Debo does, and, and I'll break in with some Debo updates throughout the show. How about That'd that? That'd be fantastic. Oh, one okay. one one last note, especially so now you're the- gonna be you're gonna be eight and two. If, so if Debo don't go off. Yep. And actually, uh, the other guys, I think both of the so the, uh, the your closest competition, they're both six and three. I believe they both won. Yeah. So you. And so you're going to be eight and two. We'll have a couple of seven and three teams, and then after that is me at five and five. 
Mm-hmm. You're only three games away, my friend. Some wacky crap going on in fantasy football. Mm-hmm. I don't. And you know what? Again, but you know what's going to happen? It's all going to fall apart on me. I I probably end up in second place, and then I will just completely lay a turd in the playoffs. It'll be, it'll be in the most humiliating, miserable way possible. That's that's what my attitude is. And then, ladies and gentlemen, I'll still ask him if he wants to do it next fall. <sighs> sure, why not? I'll, I'll catch him on a good day, and he'll have forgotten yeah. about all this. No, and I won't. Once we get to draft night, he'll be like, oh, why did I do this? No, I won't. No, no. No, I won't. What do we when, got next in the in the weekend geek? I'm, uh, I'm yes, so, football. It's well, dead to me. Well, one 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 last thing to note, because you know you you were crying a river a few weeks ago about how your your team is the only one that gets all this IR and COVID stuff. Nick Chubb went on the COVID list this this past week, and if you know anything about fantasy football at this point in the season, when you go to try to find a free agent running back, it is oh. slim pickings. Well, actually, you know, I might I might have somebody to trade for you. I might have a trade to work up for you. Well, if it's the guy in the IR, I don't want him. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I get you someone good. I'll get you someone right. good. I'll so, anyways, that 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 was a determining factor in in the the team not doing well because to not have a solid running back. I tried to play uh, a Buffalo guy who was facing the Jets, and that didn't quite work out the way I was hoping. So, uh, it, I mean, after all, it was the Jets. So, you know, even a bad running back could have a good game against that team. So, you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> But they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. Anyways, moving right along. Uh, Uncle Todd on his way. Man, they called him maintaining. Disney Blues had some announcements on Friday. Uh, yes, indeed. It was Disney Blues Day. And we were uh, caught up on a few things. And, and uh, sadly, as, as I indicated in our show notes, uh, much cursing and, and shaking the fist at the sky because we did not end up getting the Obi-Wan trailer as promised or as rumored. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Sadness. We did get a whole lot of uh, of what's his face. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Uh, 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 huh? The dude is playing Obi Wan. Why can't I remember his name right oh, now? Oh, Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. We did. We got a whole lot of him talking. Yeah, we you did. Know? I mean, a lot of I mean, the jibber jabber. Oh yeah, he was giving the. Oh, the, he loved him some jibber jabber. Just. <laughs> Putting a shine on that, which actually kind of concerns me with a, how overly positive he was. It makes me wonder, like, what kind of trouble that that production might be in. Because <laughs> it was, it felt very much like a here. Let's uh, let's blow some sunshine up your button. You'll think it's great. Uh, yes. I don't know. Yes. A little nervous. A little nervous. So, However, so we, we got I a little behind say, the scene. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I will say, just to bring back a, a reoccurring kind of topic. If it comes down to, yeah, will the Kenobi show be good? Or will the new BSG reboot be better? I'm still liking Kenobi's odds. <laughs> yes. Even yes. with Hayden Christensen, mm. even if they have to like, if there's scenes where they literally hold up a piece of paper and it just says, this is what's supposed to be happening here. And then they just move on to the next scene. Mm-hmm. Even yes. that way, it's still going to be better than the BSG reboot. Yes. Mainly because it will actually air. Yes. Yes. Yes, that, it will. That, that's the primary thing. True, uh, but we did get a little behind-the-scenes featurette, and it did. Uh, I watched it, and it did have a a hint at another showdown between Obi Wan and Vader, which I don't know how I totally feel about because I thought the showdown in the original Star Wars movie was that next go around for them. Yeah, but we'll have to see. I trust in Filoni and Favreau; they have not steered us wrong up to this point. And I, although I don't know how much Favreau is involved in this, I know Filoni is. So yeah, I was gonna say how I I thought he was still in like Mando Land. I thought that was his uh, baby. Yeah, I and think then he maybe is. I think he is. So like an executive producer sort of thing with Boba Fett. Yeah, 
So a uh, little bit of Obi-Wan to get excited about. That's coming up mm-hmm. uh, at the end of December. And they were lo- they, they released. I'm all about to produce. <laughs> <laughs> they released. They released. He's turning into Dr. Seuss Day. That's what it's really. Oh, you back into the God. uncle nearest for the show. Is that I need to on? go back and enunciate <laughs> so I may not make a mistake. Uh, never mind. All right. Um, the the offerings put out by Disney Blues. Uh, Wait, they're Shang-Chi. Asking, they're, they're asking and, for offerings now? What is it? They're passing the plate. What's they happening? Are. They are. Aren't they making enough cash off of us? Uh, not quite. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yes. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Jungle Cruise. Home Sweet Home Alone. I don't know what that's about. Oh, Um, it's like the 18th movie in the Home Alone. Like the third reboot. The 18th movie in the series. It's like, oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum Season 2 was released. My my wife and and younger son watched that. They get a kick out of it. And uh, I've, I've been meaning to watch it with them because it sounds pretty funny. Um, I, I didn't I thought it was it was somewhat amusing, but it felt like he was trying to Jeff Goldblum it up too much. Oh, a little like too just, much of the of the oddity. Yeah. Where I'm like, I feel like he's he's really turning it up to eleven and I don't need that much gold Jeff Goldblum. Like just regular <laughs> just regular like it's Jeff Goldblum Max, to put it in, in the old soda terms, you mm-hmm. know, like I don't need mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum Max. Just regular old original formula Jeff Goldblum is just fine it's for just me. Fine. Uh, let's see. Olaf presents, uh, I guess, for the Frozen crew. Uh, Chow I heard is Al- actually pretty funny. Is it Chow Alberto? I have not seen that hmm. or know what it's about. Uh, the one I did see last night, Under the Helmet, The Legacy of Boba Fett. That was mm. uh, a 20-minute, very nice little piece of Star Wars documentation history. Mm-hmm. Um, just talking about the uh, just the genesis of the character and and how it came to be. Really, what was funny was I love the stat that he's had. Like I think he had four lines, mm-hmm. and he was on screen all of six and a half minutes, and yet yes. he had such a fan following after the original trilogy. It was really kind of incredible. You remember the the bit where they talked about the parade, which is oh, something yeah yeah I've yeah. I'd never heard of it. What you think about now is is absolutely just so out of the realm of what would happen today. Yeah. But that but having like Lucas send Darth Vader and yep. and Boba Fett mm-hmm. like the stage worn costumes mm-hmm. like it's not like a replica like these are the actual costumes and they're sending them to a local parade in Northern California to have like Boba Fett and Darth Vader walk down the street before Boba Fett had ever been on screen. And right, so people know who right. Darth Vader is. They have no idea who Boba Fett is, but he was like getting swamped. Yeah. And yeah. people just had this visceral reaction to him. And I was like, that is just, it, again, it speaks so much to the character. However, it's, I can't help but say it. I, I don't want to turn this into another, hey, let me bash on George Lucas for a while. But this whole thing about people like, oh, this great character they created. Yeah. And what did he do with him? Mm-hmm. Not Jobbed him lot. out. Did what Vince should, does, jobbed him out. I mean, he didn't do anything to develop him and then just jobbed him out on a goofy three stooges, whoop, 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 sort of like the old, like turning the, the the ladder around and hitting the guy in the back of the head trick. Yeah, he gets credit for creating Boba Fett, but look, look, look what he did with him, you know? So anyways, I, I thought, but it does speak to that character that it just the look of the character is so cool that it makes you go, there's got to be something good about this this character. Like, well, just look at him, yeah. you know? And, and, and and you and I have talked about this on, on during season one of The Mandalorian when we were going through the episodes that feel like, you know, they talked a lot about how his character looked very kind of Clint Eastwood 
esque, mm, you know, from, from the, yeah. those those westerns, and and how there was an enigma or, or just a, a a mystique about him that I think really is what engaged a lot of you know our imaginations when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And during that first season of The Mandalorian, what was so funny was how you know I I, I had mentioned I think it was like episode two or three where, wherever he goes and and gets the the child and and kind of does his whole like covert operation. It was like mm-hmm. you know it, it wasn't a western in the truest sense, but that that was the stuff I'd always wanted to see. Uh, yes. out of out of a Boba Fett show and and you know with the book of Boba Fett we're not going to get exactly that because Mandalorian's kind of already established that and done that but we're going to get mm-hmm. a very different kind of story from from that character and I think it's going to still be in, in you know service to the character where it's going to be very playing to the strengths of of, of that mystique and and of that just that character and you know what I really enjoyed in, in Mando was how they just made him more honor bound you know, like it was less about him being good versus evil and more I'm doing a job and 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 I honor my word sort of thing, you know, like like yeah. really, truly a rogue sort of cowboy kind of character. Yep. No, I, I agree. And so. that was what's so great. And I think the interesting thing is they they also talked about the actor who portrayed Boba Fett, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting because then they, they originally talked about, uh, my gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. Timur Morrison or Jeremy Bullock? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Bullock, but they talked about the first guy, the guy who originally tried on the costume, and he was the guy who walked down the street in the parade. Oh, right, right. He was like a production designer or something like that, and they're just like, he's just like, I just happened to fit the costume, and they needed someone to demo it. (laughs) And so he's technically kind of the first Boba Fett, really, you know, like a little bit of an asterisk, you know, and and then, but Jeremy Bullock, when he played Boba Fett, and they said he just had that sort of the stride and the just the way that he moved was very Clint Eastwood like mm-hmm. I would be curious and I would I would if I had to put a, mo- a little bit of money down on it I would bet that some of that just comes from the costume. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've heard so many times when different actors portray a character sometimes you know they they try all these things and then they get in the costume and the costume kind of determines what you're going to do like you can only move in certain ways you have to walk this certain way or you have to incorporate the restrictiveness of the costume or the way the costume just hangs on you or, or the weight of it and that's kind of how it turns out and like oh my gosh that was such a great choice like I didn't have much of a choice the thing weighs 85 <laughs> pounds so yeah you know that's the way I had to walk yeah. and uh, and I'd be curious how much of that was influenced by the costume itself it didn't look like it was mm. you know terribly restrictive but I'm sure that Maybe even putting it on, it just gives you this feeling like, yeah, I'm kind of a badass. Do yeah. you see this freaking yeah. thing? Like, this yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great doc. I love that. So, yeah. So, there was that. We got first looks at Moon Knight, She-Hulk, and Miss Marvel, oh, which is fantastic. Moon Knight looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Like, that, the first true, like, completely unhinged Marvel <laughs> superhero mm-hmm. oh that's gonna be great and she hulk she hulk looks pretty good too that that was yeah. gonna be interesting yeah very much so what else we got marvel secret invasion series with a a no eye patch nick fury so that'll be interesting. yeah mm-hmm. that'll be interesting and uh, and if i remember right like nick had the had a bit of a beard going there like he's mm-hmm. looking kind of grizzled Scruffing a little more out. grizzled than usual you know mm-hmm. absolutely great. it's hipster nick fury that's what it is that's right He'll be all I like, shouldn't you say know. that. Sam Jackson is going to show up at my front door and <laughs> beat the living crap out of me. And then he's going to do it. He's going to do a. He's going to. What's the credit card? Uh, oh my gosh. A Capital One? Capital One. He's going to do a cre- Capital One credit card commercial while he's beating the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's going to be great. You never know with Patrick, you know, with with Patrick roaming around who, who, who he may, uh, you know, drop at your doorstep. 
Oh, yeah. Patrick is no good as a gatekeeper. He would just no. let everybody in. He's like having a golden retriever as a watchdog. Like, you're, yeah. it's going to come in, like, show him all the good stuff, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like make sure you get the make sure you get this make sure you get that make sure you get that oh uh, you know rub over rub his belly and his, you know no guard dog same with Patrick he'll let anybody in it's absolutely. great yeah absolutely yeah terrific uh, what else we we got uh, I mean this isn't Marvel related but there is uh, I mean kind of Marvel related there there was a, a new Baymax series from uh uh-huh. um, from 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 that sh- uh, from that movie um, mm-hmm. that'll be debuting and then they're bringing back X Men ninety seven an animated series which apparently was very popular I did not watch it myself during the time it was out but apparently it was uh, quite popular I think so, I I think I caught some of that yeah back in the day yeah so a lot of content from from the plus yes. And uh, uh, and having Shang Chi on on the Plus was very nice. Uh, that was that made for some yes. good uh, weekend watching. Got a nice. chance to check that out again. Nice, very a uh, very good very good flick. I, I oh yeah, I, seeing that for the second time, I was like ah yes, this was a lot of fun. Yep. And then finally, a a sad note. Uh, there, there was a point in time during Fury and JDC where it seemed like every week we had a, a story like this. But yeah, it's been it a while. Rough. But uh, we we bid adieu, farewell, sweet prince to to the the man known as number one, not that number one from Star Trek, but number one from Battlestar Galactica, the two thousand yes. series, Mister John Brother Cavill. Cavill. Yes, Brother Cavill, played by none other than Dean Stockwell, uh, passed away between the the time from last episode to this one. Tremendous acting career. Uh, I, I was quite surprised as I was reading up on him about what his career looked like starting all the way back in the 1940s. Yeah. Which yeah, is he's incredible. He's a child actor. Yeah. Child actor. I, I was telling Uncle Todd in our pre-pre-production meeting that he accomplished more by the age of nine than I think I will in my entire life working with such uh, luminaries as Gregory Peck, Frank Sinatra, and Gene Kelly. So he... Yeah. He had quite a resume, this man did, and uh, all the way up through into the 1980s where uh, he was in the awful 84 Dune movie. Um, he, he was? In, he was. He Good was. Lord, that was one of those movies where you, you, so Patrick Stewart was in that too. He was, yes. And like yeah. all these people that you're like, oh my gosh, they were in that? They were in that? They were in that? And yeah. yeah, there's a reason why none of them told you that they were in that. They all tried <laughs> to Not a resume crap. builder, that film. Bury that stuff on IMDb. Is it, no, no, no. Can I just pay you to make that go away? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, I forgot. I didn't realize that. Yes. And then I think what what was really of note from the '80s, and I think going into the '90s, was his role as Admiral Al Kalavici on mm. Quantum Leap. Yes, um, that's what he was really known for, as well as uh, his his uh, go around in Married to the Mob. I think he was nominated for some awards in that, and huh. then he had a very. Uh, notable role in blue velvet so hmm yeah i i just i always uh i always thought he was he was good in quantum leap i was not a humongous fan of that show but it was one of those deals where you eventually caught enough of those episodes because that was still back in the day when cable was there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there wasn't it wasn't quite cable yet like you you still had to pay for a lot of stuff and you know i mean my parents didn't have like the best cable package. So you still would just kind of wander around and you're like, okay, well, this isn't too terrible. So I'll watch it because you didn't have on demand anything. There's no interwebs, nothing. So I was like, eventually you're going to catch some quantum leap because it was on freaking all the time. Indeed. And then you've got like all the reruns and stuff that were on. But yeah, he was a lot of fun in that. And then, of course, uh, I thought he was fantastic in Battlestar Galactica. As oh, Cap. gosh. Yeah. He, he, was he just added great... so much depth, mm-hmm. so much depth and, and, and even some humor. 
in different in different moments and he was one of those actors who he could do humor with gravitas yes which is kind of a rare thing yeah yeah and and, and i, I forget the episode it was in season four but he, he had that soliloquy sort of speech where he's talking about humanity mm, you know what i'm talking mm-hmm. about yeah and 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 just the limitations of it and stuff and just just how anyways to, to your point he was just brilliant you know just yeah. just really knew how to bring emotion and and depth to to that villain and and i really enjoyed him in the plan you know playing kind of a different version of cavill mm-hmm. um you know one that was not so malicious and so deadly as the original incarnation was and and just you know just playing those those two sides of that character was just really really interesting and and uh you know, just just I mean, speaks to what you said. You know, his 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 talent and and playing that role. So, mm-hmm. a farewell to uh, the number one Cylon, Dean Stockwell. Yes, indeed. And that, my friends, is right on the money. Thirty minutes, week <laughs> in week. <laughs> well, I'll see if in the edit I can't trim that down a little bit to like <laughs> twenty nine fifteen or something. We'll see. <laughs> That's a, that's the fun part. Sometimes when we mention like the timestamps, like people can play along at home, and be like, "Nope, you didn't edit anything." As a matter of fact, somehow <laughs> somehow you managed to add. I don't know. Why? You bent time Why? and space. Oh my uh, gosh! But anyways, thank you very much again uh, to the man they call Tim for uh, just uh, managing to dredge up all. Well, who, who? I mean, who are we kidding? It's just a Google search, but still, it's more work than I put in. So good <laughs> on you. Hey, you know, I do what I can, my friend. I do what I can. So now on to the main course of our meal of idiocy, and uh, we're going to do our returns from mm-hmm. our real and jabronis of the Eternals. Now, uh, the Eternals, of course, now I think it's been, what, two weeks, two full weekends, I think, since it's been out. It has. Yes. And so we did. We recorded this uh, Monday or Tuesday, I believe, of the week that it came out. It was going to come out that third uh, that Friday. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, in true fashion, just didn't quite make the the deadline however uh, i i saw this on thursday night which is a weird thing because it's oh it's hitting theaters on friday but then i could go see it at like noon on thursday nice which was weird so we ended up nice. we ended up going to see it as a family that night uh which was good uh saw it in imax which was nice. kind of kind of good although i've now discovered like the key to imax is is getting almost as far back as humanly possible <laughs> Because the screen is just so friggin' gigantic. Although yeah. the weird thing was, I was actually in the second to last row. No, I might have been the last row. and But I was over towards the left. I was not just like off center left. I was almost all the way to the left. Which picture-wise is not that big of a deal. Because, I mean, you've got the whole freaking thing in front of you. And you're far enough back that it's not like you're looking at one quarter of the screen and trying to look around the rest of the time to see what's going on. But because of the way the sound was rigged, I was just in this place where I could tell that the sound was not, I was past that point where you, the forgiveness of the sound mixing and it it was a little bit awkward, but, Mm -hmm. um, got to see it in IMAX and then you saw it, uh, this past week, right? Uh, yes. Friday evening. Okay. So we both seen it. We both made all of our, uh, remarks before seeing it. So we, uh, once again, we are above boards and judging by how right and how wrong we were, uh, you, it's going to be real obvious that we hadn't <laughs> seen the flick. Indeed. Indeed. So we are going to go through this and tabulate what our uh, results are. And once again, uh, the stakes at this on this are the uh, a bottle of whiskey of the winner's choice mm-hmm. uh, under a certain price range. There will be no Pappy 23 exchanged in this. <laughs> 
Dang not it. unless one of us wins the lottery between now and then. And <laughs> in which case, then shoot. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why not? Two bottles. <laughs> yeah. Hey, why not? Um, or just a case. Uh, so yes. let's see where we're at here. So we had what? We had 29 of these, including your the one that you added at the very last minute. So uh, let us proceed, sir. You have done all of the maths. Uh, I have not seen any of the math results. I've just... I've looked at what you uh, what you put in here as real and jabroni. I don't mm. know what actually any of the results are. So there's a couple of these that we will debate. Yeah, I just want for the record for everyone to know, I am not debating knowing how this is going to affect my score. Tim, on the other hand, has definitely got a dog in the fight because he knows where these things are teetering. So he's I, I know he's over there with a scratch pad keeping track because he's I've, I've, I've prepared arguments. I have. Uh... <laughs> He's he's consulted evidence. he's consulted his his legal firm of Dewey Cheatham and Howe. <laughs> I have time stamps. Prepared. <laughs> he's gonna it's gonna be like the it's gonna be like Jim Garrison back <laughs> and to the left back <laughs> to the left. What the hell are you talking about? This is the Eternals. Uh, I know, but back and to the left. That is right. That is so uh, I I guess we should probably start off with number I, one. Right? I I believe, uh, but before we begin uh, with with the adjudication, followed by the oh, calculation geez. and then tabulation, oh, just for the record, uh, a right answer, an outright right answer, meaning either Uncle Todd or myself gets it right, uh, yes. is two points. Mm-hmm. If we are both correct and tied, meaning if if it is jabroni and we both said jabroni, uh, mm-hmm. we will each get a point. Uh, mm-hmm. And then if uh, we get it wrong, whether it was together or individually, it is zero points. I don't know why I went with that because I mean it. It makes it would make more sense if there was more of us doing this, but for just two of us, like I came up with the most stupid scoring system possible for this. That's all I'm, right. It's all right. Well, when when you have a tie and you're correct, it feels like you should get credit for that, right? I mean, I know yeah. it's essentially zero, but at the same time, it's like. Which would be great if we had like Jimmy Dyson on this or something, but because then you could have two people who get a point each and then the other person because they were, you know, they they actually got wrong. Then it it kind of starts making things interesting. But with just two Mm. of us, it really is. It's kind of foolish. But maybe I was maybe I was thinking ahead to when this someday we'll do one of these like four, four people involved. Hey. We we are brand loyal if we are nothing else. Well, that is true. Okay, so let's start off here. So uh, do you, why don't you do the honors, sir, and take us through this? I will. And and before I start, can can I just really quickly get a Debo Samuel update? Uh, let's see here, uh, Debo. Uh, so we are uh, three fifty six left in the first quarter. Thank you. Uh, Debo's got five points. Oh, we're and, on the way, baby. And San Fran is in the in the red zone. They've now updated. Uh, Debo's projected points from 18 to 20. So you just need him to, I mean, you need him to score like another two touchdowns, mm-hmm. you know, two touchdowns in the, in this quarter, really. And then you're off to the races. All right. All right. I just want to make sure. All right. Our first rumor and actually yes, the first several of these rumors are all going to be around the reasons behind the Eternals intervention or lack of intervention in the MCU activities. Yes, indeed. Here we go. The Eternals did not did not intervene in any of the MCU action up to this point because they don't know their Eternals. And we mm-hmm. now know that is the Jabroni. Mm-hmm. They knew full well who they were and were simply uh, living out uh, in separation from one another. 
since I believe the 1500s, if I remember correctly. Something like that, yeah. So they they did not intervene, uh, not because they didn't know who they were. They knew exactly who they were. So any comments from you, sir, on that, or shall I move on? No, no. We both had jabroni on that one, and it was jabroni. So there we go. So we are... We each get a point because we were correct, but we were tied. So one each. Number two, Eternals did not intervene in any MCU action because they've been stripped of their powers. And we Mm. now know that is jabroni as well. Yes, indeed. They all had their powers. They were, again, simply living their lives elsewhere from one another. Yes. And Cersei was apparently using it to like using her powers to get the coffee at their table when they went out to eat and the waiter was ignoring them which Indeed. i'm like okay it's kind of a kind of a trivially trivial use of superpowers but at the same time i would do it <laughs> of course you would totally are you i kidding? want a good cup of joe and i want it now all right well yeah i could go for coffee right now it's 8 34 eastern standard time and i'm like i can go for coffee i can have love one. me some coffee mm-hmm. next one turtles did not intervene because one of their own betrayed them somehow incapacitating them and I put this one as jabroni. Then you would be correct, yes. Even though there was betrayal going on, it was not in this uh, situation, scenario, and it did not result in them being incapacitated. So false. Both, uh, I'm sorry, for number two and number three, both uh, Uncle Todd and I had the jabroni for these. So we have been tied for the first three, earning a point each. So we're both at three at this point. Number Mm -hmm. four. Eternals didn't intervene because the movie takes place somewhere else in the multiverse other than Earth 616, which if you know from our past Real and Jabronis, when you have to start going to the level of detail, like calling, you know, Earth 616, you know, it's probably false. And it in fact was. Yes. And we both had Jabroni on that. So tie. Tie plus one for each. Number five. It's got to be Kang! Prevented them from tampering with the sacred timeline. This is the reason for them not interfering. That is a full-blown jabroni. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Kang was not even within sniffing distance of this entire flick. Not even close. Not no. Not even close. Uh, next one, number six. Uh, so, sorry. So, Uncle Todd and I both had jabroni for that. Tied plus one. Number six, they did not intervene because, who knows, but it have something to do with mutants. Yeah, and here and we go. And here we have our first split answer. Uncle Todd had the real man they called Tim had jabroni. Yeah. It was jabroni. I told you the mutants were going to either, not not either, they were going to make or break both of us. And uh, mm-hmm. so far it's breaking in my direction because I went anti-mutant consistently. See, now here's the problem. All of a sudden my fantasy football team has picked up and my real or jabronis <laughs> is, is taking a nosedive. <laughs> I would much rather it go the other way because ain't nothing at stake in fantasy football and I don't want to buy this bottle of booze. I want them to keep coming my direction. So the way I'm looking at it, you know, because you could say, well, gee, a fantasy. I'm, no, I'm getting screwed this way now. So this is it's just even worse now. Uh, Uncle Todd wants the man they called him as his like, you know, remote bootlegger basically is what, what it boils down to. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've I've already got one bootlegger who goes down back to Kentucky, and he's actually heading back pretty soon now. So that's going to be pretty sweet. He's but uh, down and down. exactly, I, I need I want a network of bootleggers. <laughs> he's bounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? That's what I need. That's right. All right. I mean, who so who doesn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? I I would agree. I'd I'd want it. 
I yeah. Good stuff. Uh, so the, the the end result means a plus two for the man they call Tim and zero yeah, big nah. goose egg for Uncle Todd on this one. So I am up yeah. now, I believe, by one point. Moving right along, this may demand slight discussion, but I, I don't know. I think you're a reasonable person. So uh, they have not been interfering uh, in MCU activities because they have been interfering, albeit very subtly. I marked this one as jabroni, and I did so because, and, and you and I both guessed jabroni on this, but I did so because I don't really feel like they interfered. It seemed like they were influencing technology. Uh, yes. at certain points in, in history, but I don't know. I, I, I didn't know your thoughts. I didn't know if you wanted to call this real because of the, t- of the, the technology influence or not. No, because that's not interfering in the actual events. Like when we're talking like MCU events, we're talking about why they didn't do anything when Red Skull's prancing around in World War II or, Ah, or, you know, when Thanos, you know, during the Battle of New York or Thanos coming to Earth or any of those things. Why are they not interfering in all of these events that have happened that, you know, precipitated Thor coming to Earth and all this stuff? That's that's, I believe, more of the interference of in the MCU, the influence in the technology. Like, yeah, I mean, that's that's a thing. Sure. But that didn't you'd have to go way down the the chain of events in order to then say that influences events in the MCU. I will say, though, it does. I I mean, if you know, if if you want to get into to the geekdom of of Marvel, it, it, it was a very cool kind of story angle, though. You know, that that whole sequence where where Fostos had basically invented like the engine back in like, you know, whatever, 4000 BC or whatever. Yeah. That's when they were trying to, uh, you know, help help society along or civilization. He he turns around and he's like, here it is. It's called a plow. It's called a plow. Because that's what it does. It plows. But (laughs) it's kind of cool to think about the fact like what influence did they end up having, though? you know, that ended up being what the, the Starks ended up kind of picking. I, I don't mean to say picking up directly from them, but thinking about the ways that they kind of drop these things into civilization to help them move along. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we had characters, especially, you know, I think especially of the Stark family, where they were so influential in terms of innovation, invention, and technological evolution, that it, it was just kind of interesting to think about, was all of it just from them or were the Eternals kind of in the background kind of dropping these hints? Well, I think that you could you could make an argument that uh, Fausto hadn't been really feeding too much information out to humans for a, quite a while because hmm. he really seemed to have – he seemed, especially after they show them uh, – we had talked about it before. They sh- showed him at Hiroshima or, or Nagasaki. I'm, I'm guessing it was right, Hiroshima. Right. And that being kind of the end result of him giving – technology and and helping humans and this is what they had decided to do with it and i don't know if he would have been directly feeding any i mean but the the res, the result of his influence was that mm-hmm. you know those levels of technology were available and progressing yeah. yeah um and it's it's also interesting to think about it in counterpoint with that was the reason why t'challa's father had said that they had never really shared anything outside of wakanda with the rest of the world, their, their vibranium, their technology, all of those things. They didn't share any of that because of what they were afraid the rest of the world would do with it. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting sort of argument because you're like, well, it was looked upon as wrong within Black Panther mm-hmm. that that nothing was done to help people who were were being oppressed, people who are right. being beaten down, that, that Wakanda could have helped those people. However, Eternals gives you kind of the other side of it of, okay, yes, that could have helped. However, we know this about humans. 
humans kind of bend in this direction, even though there are a lot of people with great intentions, there's also this tendency towards kind of a self-destructive urge. Yeah. And and so it kind of gives you that other side of the argument. Neither one, I think it, you could say with 100% certainty is is right or wrong. You know, mm-hmm. but it, it does it does present a a little point and counterpoint across a couple of movies. Agreed. All right, so we tied on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I'm still up by one. So now we go to uh, they did not interfere because who knows? But it has something to do with Captain America. Well, nope. Captain America had nothing going on in this on, no. in this movie at all. So that is the jabroni. Yep, and we all both right. had jabroni. So there's another tie. Another tie. Now this one is where we may have some spirited debate. Yes. So here's the statement. They did not interfere because the Celestials are actually the villains and the Eternals have been their pawns. So I am calling this the real. And I wanted to get your thoughts. Because as the story plays out, we find out that the Eternals are literally (laughs) invented by the Celestials to go do this this act on, on a planet where they're trying to birth another Celestial. Which, by the way, ladies and gentlemen... Kudos to whoever thought of the Celestials running an MLM in order yes. to completely expand the galaxy as it's some just massive intergalactic pyramid scheme. Amway. That's what it is. It's intergalactic Amway and or Pampered Chef, which is basically what Pampered Planet, I guess you could call it. I think so. Um, the people. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, as as that Celestial was going to come out of the planet, it was going to be holding a pizza stone and. <laughs> You know, I yeah, that is an interesting concept. When you said, you just said MLM, I'm like, holy crap, it is. So you're like the newest celestial. I mean, everyone else is getting 10% of all of your celestial profits. Like that first group of celestials, they're the only ones who are really making out on this. You're way down there. And this was like, I've got a garage full of Eternals. They keep sending them to me. They're not even sending me the good ones. These are like last year's Eternals. They're like the factory second Eternals. And I the got- longer it goes, the more defective the product is. <laughs> exactly. Because it's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. It's like that tape you had back in high school oh, that like, you know, man. you copied it enough times. And by the time you got it, it's like, it's like what the hell is this? Is yeah. there any music on this? Yep. I think he just gave me a blank tape. Uh, yes, that was, an, that was an interesting way to put it. But also like dead on, dead mm-hmm. on. Yeah. So yeah. here's the thing. I, oh, and, and geez, here we go. No, no. I and I think this is this is the point of of where you kind of have to make a differentiation between here and when we because we talked about this later in the in the thing, right? It was when we were talking about who the bad guys were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which is going to be I, another one. You're, uh, so around fifteen or sixteen. Okay. So here's the thing. Like when you're talking about the Celestials being the antagonists or being the bad guys. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of that. Yeah, that's the thing here. You're talking about it in context of the Eternals didn't interfere because like the Celestials did something actively to keep the Eternals from interfering in all of these other events because they're the bad guys. I don't know that that's what that's saying. It says the Celestials well, no, because- are actually the villain villains and the Eternals have been their pawns. So they're not yes. interfering because the Celestials are manipulating them, which they are. Uh, well, but they're not actively ordering them to not interfere. It's not like they're holding them back. You know what I mean? Like, and that's where it's, it's a very fine point where I would say yes to they're the antagonists, you know, they wind up being the antagonists and that's kind of the twist is, 
you know, that, oh, yeah, and they're now, you know, oh, they're the bad guys because of they want to destroy the planet, which kind of makes them the bad guys by default, mm-hmm. you know. But did they not interfere just because of that? Yes. I don't they, know. They, I, they, I, they weren't supposed to involve themselves unless it was the deviants. And that command came from the celestial Arisham. However, <laughs> however, I'm, that's exactly how the story went. But keep in mind, like if you want to get into that minutia, you know, oh, I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, no, don't start getting I'm, I'm, all huffy I'm, I'm on me. I'm listening. I'm listening. Don't start getting all huffy on me yet. I mean, we've got more of these to go through. Look, so, I admit my Loki ones were weak arguments, but I, I'm sorry. <laughs> this one I'm looking at like, this is what the story was about. The thing is, oh, Jesus. Fan, oh, I only get my point out. For crying out loud. Uh, my apologies. Go ahead. But the thing is, Thanos, because we know, because we we get Thanos's brother, you know, Lanos, whatever his name is, uh, at the end of this thing showing up, uh, it actually be great if, hi, I'm Thanos's brother, Bill. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, he shows up and it's like, well, you're not purple. You you, I mean, you're not like Grimace. You don't have the, the, the like the Peter Griffin neck bobble thing going on there. Were you adopted? Was Thanos adopted? Was that how that worked? We find out that if you look in the research for Thanos, he has a deviant gene. Mm. So he actually does qualify as a deviant. They could have interfered. Oh, I'm just saying, I, I, okay. I, I think it's more nebulous. That's all. The, I'm, th- I'm thinking that like this is one of those ones where you could make a case for either side. Agreed. I don't have a great answer for this, though, because when, I, when can't, we, when, I can't come down at, on one side or the other. Okay, but, but when we look at the entire statement, it's about the reason for, the for, for them not interfering. And that's where I think that it's weakest to say that it's the real, because I don't think that there was a defin- definitive order. It was... A, if anything, like the Celestials would have been like, dude, you guys got to get back on the job. Mm-hmm. Just dubbing around all this time. They left them on the planet to kind of do whatever they wanted. Like they mm-hmm. they didn't give them real specific orders. It was just like, await further orders. I They could have done whatever they wanted. Well, they said do not get involved with conflict unless it involves deviance. True. But at the same and, time, and that was all under the guise of the mission that they were running that they didn't even mm-hmm. realize they were running, which was to basically keep the earth cleansed of deviance so that mm-hmm. the population could grow to the point where the MLM celestial could be born. <laughs> it's, a, it's a new so it's a new business owner. That's what it's exactly. It's, so I'm thinking my interpretation real celestial. <laughs> My interpretation, and this was the reason I, I chose the reel for this, because I thought this would be the, the, the thing, is it would be one of these stories, and I think I said this on, on last episode, where, you know, kind of like the show Lost, where, like, there were interactions that the characters had with people who were on the island, and they were, like, they seemingly were predicting things that were going to happen, or they understood things about them from the past, and you find out it was all because of the time traveling they did, and and all the pre-knowledge they gave some of these characters that allowed them to, to, to appear that way. You know what I mean? Like, so all these right, Eternals right. have been functioning in, on, on Earth in the way that they have because they've believed they were carrying out some sort of mission, not realizing that it was going to be the complete obliteration of the planet Earth. And that's where I feel like they're pawns. All right. So here's the deal. Here's how I'll, here's how I'll work this. I, I, the other night, when I, when I got zero sleep... 
I actually managed to catch a good portion of a few good men. So mm-hmm. here's how I'll work this. Council will agree that this is this question is the real if if the opposing <laughs> council will stipulate that should that the that later on when this comes up that the celestials are the antagonist. Uh sure. Although let me scroll down and see how I, how that hoses me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't even look to see how it hoses if it hoses me or not. I couldn't find it. <laughs> So anyways, but but yeah, let's go with the real. I think you're right. I think it's still hazy, but yeah, I can see your point and it's it's much more that than the other. So All yes, right. you give you the point. Go ahead. All right. Take Thank it. Thank you. I appreciate it. No gloating, although I will say I just have two more points now. So Actually, that kind of is gloating, but well, whatever. <laughs> just not with never. any drama or entertainment value. Oh, okay. Uh, well, even at least if you'd entertained it, it would be better, but our, better our, for our ratings. I know. Our, our next one, uh, I don't know if it'll demand a spirited debate as we just had, but the reason for the non-interference was actually it's exactly what the trailer told us, and they live by a code of non-interference. So the way we worded this, I kind of called this the real. We both guessed the real. Whether yeah, it's, it's the real or jabroni won't really affect our scores one way or another. But I No, it's the real. It's yeah. the real. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I scored that one correctly. All right. Oh, my gosh. We're still going with this. Uh, they didn't interfere because they just didn't feel like it. So that is the jabroni. I mean, you could say that that kind of is. <laughs> it kind well, of we is both too, guessed but... jabroni on this one, so it doesn't matter. But... I mean, either way, but it, it, the more I watch it, I'm like, it kind of is. I just I didn't yeah. feel like it. I, yeah. I just don't want to yeah. deal with this. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to have my farmhouse in Iowa. <laughs> like Selma, Selma High, it can just go out and that's right. Hang out there. I don't know. Watch the watch the cyclones go by. Whatever. Mm. So we both guessed Jabroni on that one. Yep. Uh, and, and if it wasn't clear, we we both guessed the real on the prior one. So yes, number twelve. Okay, now we're out of the interference one. So now we're getting into more individual, independent sort of rumors here. So there was a rumor that uh, the Eternals taught Wakandans how to mine and process vibranium. Oh, boy, did we go for this one, hook, line, and sink. Uh, yes, you and I both went the real on this, and it was the jabroni, so wah, wah. With a capital J. Holy oh, moly. That, that, that didn't even peripherally mention Wakanda. They didn't, I don't even know if there's a W word used in the entire movie. Man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, 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 was, that was a bad one. Yeah. Not uh, as bad oh, as this uh, next one, though. <laughs> oh, and another championship rumor right here, ladies and gentlemen. The movie will show how Nowhere's Celestial, if you remember Nowhere, that is an actual setting, I believe, in Guardians of the Galaxy and in, and yep. in Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, where uh, the Nowhere's Celestial lost its head. Both Uncle Todd and I fell for oh, hook, line, and geez. sinker, probably because the Redditor has a wrestler name or a, a wrestler-like name. Yes, and this is where we started talking about Howard Finkel. So all of a sudden, I got for really twenty minutes about everything. <laughs> Holy yes. Moly. Yep. Woo! So yeah. that was the jabroni, and yes, Uncle it Todd was. And I had the real. So big goose egg <sighs> for both of us on that one. Yeah, and here's and another, now, another oh, great one. Oh, oh here, and here we go. This this is one that the here here's yeah. as Mickey would say in in Rocky as he was sparring before getting pummeled by Clubber Lang. This will tell us the story, kid. <laughs> yeah, Cersei and Dane's child mm. will be the MCU's first mutant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uncle Todd, were there any mutants in this movie? 
You know what? You can just shut your mouth. Okay. I'm, I'm simply asking the question. Will counsel stipulate? <laughs> you know what? Oh, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> All right. So There's there... nothing quite like watching Jack Nicholson go full Jack Nicholson at yes. like 4 a.m. when you oh, can't yeah. sleep. It's a, it's like one of the <laughs> one of the oddest experiences I've ever had. Just this. <laughs> I, I felt like I probably like Jack Nicholson felt then I was probably having, I felt like I was having flashbacks and he probably was too. Yeah, so, no, there was, there was no, uh, there, not that I could tell there was no mutants, uh, in this flick and there certainly wasn't any child from Dane and Cersei. So yeah, yeah. So this is yeah. the jabroni. So uncle Todd had chosen the real, I had chosen yep. the jabroni. Ugh. So we'll chalk another couple points up for the man they call Tim. Number 15, Gilgamesh is the antagonist of the movie. We both didn't buy it, and, well, we saved ourselves some money. (laughs) Yeah. Although Gilgamesh was one of the cooler characters. Oh, he was, absolutely. I really dug on him a lot. Yeah. You know? It was funny. You kind of got a Black Widow Hulk vibe from from him and, um, I'm forgetting her name, and Angelina Jolie's character. Uh, um, Thena. Thena. Yes. You know, where, where he was kind of the calming influence on her when she went all kind of, you know, crazy. Yeah. Yes. Which was, which was cool. Ah, this one will be another spirited debate. Icarus is the antagonist of the movie. Um, so so now, I originally did jabroni on this, but I wanted to get your thoughts. Here's the thing. It, it's he's an antagonist. He's not the antagonist, you know? Yes. And I guess the way it's phrased is, that, yeah, that he is the big bad. Although, I mean, you could make the case that because of of the proximity and because he is the one who who does the actual betraying, that that does kind of make him the antagonist. Because I think this came up in, it might have been the Loki reel in Jabronis, where we were talking, we ended up talking about that, about the proximity mm-hmm. of like how close you are to the the heroes does have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that I could cite, especially where he is the reason why. Uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember name. Uh, the character's name Selma Hayek's character, oh, the, Ajak. Ajak, the the Prime Eternal, mm-hmm. is killed and essentially sells everybody else out to the point where at the end he ends up hurling himself into the sun for to atone for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I feel like this one is kind of close to what we talked about in terms of the celestials and and whether they were the reason. Like I don't think it's clear cut. However, I feel like it's leaning in a 60-40, 70-30 sort of way towards yeah, he kind of does become the antagonist because the celestials are so far removed and he is the one who is actively the antagonist. You know, he's actively doing stuff to trip up and to harm, I mean, and and to kill the the protagonist. Mm. So in that way, I, I kind of would have to argue that he kind of ends up being the antagonist or or the the face of the antagonist. You know what I mean? In the same way, like I, I'd I'd almost if I had to come down on a side, I'd kind of have to say that's the side. And I'm trying I'm trying to take out my my. Sure. My previous guess on this, but in that same way, that's where I'd have to come down on it. How do you feel about it? I went back and forth on this because I originally had it as the real, 
and then I switched it to Jabroni. Not my pick, just just the way I was kind of ruling it mm-hmm. based on what happened in the movie. Because yeah, it's 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 interesting, and and this is where you know when, when we go back to the debate we had on on number nine with the Celestials being the villains, I feel like that's kind of their that kind of falls on them because it's really their will that is driving what these characters are doing, and Icarus doing what he's doing was really out of a sense of being faithful to the being that they have been serving for millennia up to this point. Mm. So yes, killing is wrong. So the fact that he, he essentially threw Ajax to, to the wolves literally. um, And, and, and had her killed the fact that, you know, he was fighting against his fellow eternals when they were trying to stop the MLM from continuing. (laughs) Uh, yes and i'm sorry i have to keep referring it to that because i'm just so proud of the fact that this occurred to me during the movie i'm like this is a pyramid scheme the the birth of the new the the newest sole proprietor that's right that's right (laughs) downline manager yes Um, oh my gosh yes uh the one thing i would i would have to put in there though and um granted this is like it's not apples and oranges but it's definitely like brayburn apples to like you know your red delicious or whatever. I, I knew a bunch of these uh, like Fuji apples or whatever. Actually be more like Fuji to red delicious. Cause you know, Fuji tastes good. Whereas red delicious is just a lie in its name and they're just mealy and blah. Anyways, <laughs> but he wasn't acting on direct orders from the celestials. You have to keep that in mind. He was acting out of a, out of a, uh, out of a zealous faith mm-hmm. in the celestials, which is what Ajak had talked about, about how his, his faith in the celestials was very strong or, mm-hmm. or the one, the one particular celestial. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to say that, then it, it started getting this weird area where it's like, then you're talking about people who are religious zealots and things like that. Then, well, then it's the the deity to be to, is actually to blame. Whereas mm-hmm. we would normally say, no, it's that zealot for being that far deep into it that they are willing to take things into their own hands, even though there is no direct command. There's no direct order. There's no direct commandment to say, thou shall throw Ajax to the wolves. It's a result of his zealotry and having any any sort of challenge to that is that what makes him do that, not actually a direct command. So that's where I would say that that, for me, makes a distinction because it's not like uh, Ashram or whatever is the big red dude. Mm-hmm. It's not like he was like, you must go and do it. He didn't. Like, actually, you know, Icarus never spoke to that dude. As we as we found out, it was just Ajax, and then it ended up being Cersei. Like only one of them actually directly communicated with the Celestial. So that's where, to me, it's like th- there's a difference. Like yes, it was a result of his faith and his his adherence to the Celestials. However, it wasn't a direct order. That was that was all on him, which is kind of what is where I pivot on that. Where it's like okay, it kind of does make him the antagonist because it was his decision to kill, even though it was a result of it was his call. And it was his call to do all these other things. Now, granted, the other things do fall in line with, yes, I need to follow out the plan of the Celestial. But that initial action that then dominoed everything else, Mm -hmm. really his call that led to the Deviants actually gaining more power. So, I mean, it's it's in the same way as I would I would I kind of yield to the other one. I kind of really think this is the real. I think he does qualify as the antagonist in terms of like he is the most immediate threat to the protagonist to the protagonist so couple thoughts so when you say he was not acting out of any command 
yes. she was acting out of a sense though of knowing what the ultimate mission of 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 what they were supposed to be doing, right? True. So, so when Ajax says to him, "I have changed my perspective because I feel," and and it's interesting, we actually have another one of these coming up that 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 I think will be an interesting discussion. Not not a vigorous debate, but but I I think you and I will be on the same page with it. But but the fact she says that humans went and and brought back the half of of all life that got wiped out and mm-hmm. how that changed her. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that that Icarus reacts to is now she's no longer following, you know, after sharing with him what their purpose is, or, or mm-hmm. she had shared that with him a few hundred years earlier, I think. So he, I, yeah, I think back in yeah. the 1500s, she had shared that with him. So he, he kind of knew what their purpose was, what their mission was. Mm-hmm. But now hearing her say that they can't allow that to happen is what triggers him to do what he does. And, and like you said, he's acting out of a faith. And it's nothing that's been directly handed to him from the Celestials, but it is out of deference to what the Celestial wants, right? True. Everything he's doing is essentially to make sure the MLM lives on. Well, yeah, and it's but it's it's also his interpretation because he ain't spoken to the big red guy. He's just he's gotten the everything secondhand. Mm -hmm. And once again, it's not a direct thing. And and he's responding in somewhat out of anger. In terms of of having his zealotry challenged, which again is is one of those things that to me that's a very that's a very antagonistic thing to do. That's mm-hmm. a very bad guy sort of thing. Like, how dare you question me? I am going to stomp you. Which right. again, it's it's that yeah, the Celestials are an antagonist, and you could ultimately say yes, they are the antagonist. But it's almost like if you're talking about in you know Avengers one, well, the Chitari you know, are under Loki's command and Loki's the bad guy in the movie. But you see Thanos at the end and he's the one who's kind of allowing that and supplying the army and all that. So you could say, well, he's he's really the antagonist, but you wouldn't really say that. It's the ones it's it's Loki because he's closer. He's the one who's actually actively doing stuff. That's where to me, even though, yeah, I'll, I'll down the line, I'll say, yeah, well, the Celestials totally qualify as an antagonist and Icarus qualifies as an antagonist. If I had to pin on one as being the primary, I kind of got to go with Icarus. Council would like to bring uh, Exhibit B. <laughs> okay. Would you consider in the Watchmen story, the original Watchmen story? Yes. Is Ozymandias a villain or not? Um, because I well, feel that, like I feel like Icarus is very similar to Ozymandias in some ways. Um, well, so here's the thing: like Ozymandias is coming up with all of that out of his own head as like is Icarus right uh well he's there there's another character there like there is there is someone else behind that who is you know is, is a shadow yes and I think Ozymandias is a is kind of because he he has that perspective because of his perspective it's it's almost like he's not insane he's almost ultra sane which is can be just as dangerous because you you've gone so sane that you're just operating on pure logic and pure logic will get you into some serious trouble because you're like oh well the math works out this way that this many people need to be sacrificed in order to save this many people and uh, it's it's a very uncomfortable place to get into mm-hmm. I would say that yeah I mean he do, he qualifies as the antagonist but it's also meant to be a very Watchmen is a very different thing in that it's supposed to be very nebulous and ambiguous about good and bad, because even in the character of like the comedian who is 
technically kind of one of the heroes. He's definitely not a hero. He's done some horrible stuff. He's he's a horrible right. human being, but yet he is he is one of the heroes. He is he is on the side of the heroes. So to me, it's not a great comparison because we're still dealing with Marvel, which is very much like there's good guys, there's bad guys, and and you know, there's some gray area, whereas like Watchmen is all gray area. Mm-hmm. There, there is like no black and white. It's all just gray, varying shades of gray. And not even like that much difference between the gray. Whereas Marvel is definitely like, okay, well, we got our bad guys, we got our good guys, and yeah, there's some confusion sometimes. But overall, you kind of know at the end of the day what's right and what's wrong. Whereas in Watchmen, the whole idea of the thing is like, well, what is right? What is wrong? Okay. So where does this leave us? I think it's the real. That's that's just me. All right. Well, I I will give it to you. I do not necessarily agree. I, I feel the Celestials are, or at least the Celestial they're dealing with is the antagonist, but I will give it to you, my friend. All right. So I will adjust the uh, score sheet. And let's see here. Uh, your Debo Samuel I, I, I was going to say, after such a, a vigorous debate, I believe we need a Debo Samuel update. I got to tell you, you're, uh, you're, you're doing well here. So uh, with 519 left in the second quarter, mm-hmm. San Fran is up 21 to 7 on the Rams. And uh, Debo has got himself, is having himself a game so far. Four rush attempts, 32 yards, one rush TD, one reception, 20 yards receiving. He has 16 points now. He was originally projected for 18. They've upped his projection to 27 mm-hmm. points. Now keep in mind, Holding on Debo tight for 66, baby. Debo would still have to over double <laughs> the projection they currently have him at. He can do in it. Order, I, I, I believe. I believe I in Debo. I don't believe it's humanly possible for any wide receiver to do that <laughs> in a game. I, I just don't think it is. <sighs> but it is going to be interesting. That is for certain. Mm-hmm. All right. Back to our, back to our show. Indeed. Where are we at here? We're on number uh, so 17, we're on rumor right? number 17 of 29. So All right. We're, let's we're, zip through some more of these because we, t- we took a long around, time so. on 16. We did. We did. All right. Next one. Black Knight is the villain. That is Jabroni. Uh, Black yes. Knight was not even a presence in this. And uh, Well, he at the very end. Oh, when Jon Snow you know, says, I love you, Cersei. And I, and I sat there and said, wait a minute. What, what am I watching? <laughs> oh, whoops. That show ended a couple of years ago. Yeah. Anyways. No, at, at the very end when the dude is going and he's getting that sword. Yes. Yes. That is, that is telling us that that is black Knight. Mm-hmm. So we both and, said the jabroni. So we are yes. tied in the positive on that one. So, all right. Uh, number 18, uh, the Eternals already fought and lost against Thanos. That is of course, complete horse pucky. So, yes. Balderdash, if you will. Indeed. So the jabroni uh, was guessed by both of us. So we get another plus one each on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this one will have a little bit of de- potential debate. I, I'm curious your thoughts. The Eternals look up to the Avengers. Now, I put jabroni for this because of the way it's worded. Mm. Um, but I go back to what we just talked about with Ajax and what kind of turned kind of her perspective on things and how each of the Eternals seem to have a, a bit of respect for humanity. But but what are your thoughts here? Do you think this is jabroni or is there uh, a little bit of real here? I think it's I think it's 90 percent jabroni and 10 percent real. I think the All the right. Eternals have a respect for humanity and I think they they would have a respect for the Avengers. And I think Ajax especially did. But I don't think you could make that same comment about a. Uh, what's a dude who was living out in the jungle with his little cult? Um, oh, uh, 
yeah, Dro- yeah. Dro- 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 not, not Drogu. Uh, Dro- Wasn't it Druid or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but even then, she didn't say the Avengers brought him back. They said she just said the humans because Druig. Druig is his name. Druig. Okay, and uh, I think that there's a little bit of like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, hey, some of these some of these guys aren't so are, are a little bit uh, a little bit cooler than the others. But I don't think they're looking up to them. Mm-hmm. Not in that not in that kind of idolized way that we talked about before. So I think it's it's Jabroni for sure. All right. Uh, next one, Thanos dusted. Oh, actually, let me just go up to that one for a second. I think we both, yeah, we both guessed Jabroni on that. So we get yes, Thanos dusted the Eternals. Uh, that is Jabroni. Mm-hmm. So uh, we each guessed that as well. We did not fall for that trap. Yeah. Uh, this next one, I'm curious your thoughts. The Eternals decided to not fight against Thanos. So well, technically, this could be the real. It. <laughs> Because, it kind of is because right? they didn't. It, it I mean they made a decision to not interfere, and and when half of the population all disappears, and you have you know aliens showing up in New York, I mean it's they obviously know of what's happening in the world. It's not like any of them are shuttered away and totally out of. I mean, well, actually, one it one was shuttered away and out of circulation mm-hmm. in the ship, which was like that's kind of seems kind of mean. Like you stay and watch the ship. Here's a bunch of books. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but at least some of them had knowledge of what was going on in the world and obviously could find and, and reach each other. You know, it takes a little while, but they would be able to round them up if they wanted to, and they didn't. So, therefore, I, it has to be a choice, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that's why I, I, I believe that's why I thought that way. I, that's that, that was my reasoning was, mm-hmm. you know, the by virtue of the uh, decision to not interfere in things that is in and of itself a decision. Yes. Uh, so the real, we both guessed the real on that. So plus one there. Next one, the Eternals are phase four's antagonists. Uh, that was proven to be the jabroni. That is a whopper. And neither one of us fell for that one, at we least. Did not, neither <laughs> one of us fell for that. Let's see. The Eternals. Oh, another one about interference. The Eternals didn't interfere until now because there's a bigger threat coming. Galactus, which I yeah. fell for and you did not. Yeah, yeah, that so, one's rough. That one is. That's the. That's a tough. That's a tough beat right there. That is no Galactus. Although one could argue the Celestials look like a entity worthy of the name Galactus. <laughs> oh yeah, that that whole bit where it's like all of a sudden the dude shows up in the sky. It's like whoa, that's yeah. a visual. Yeah, that's a little that that's people gonna be talking about that for a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's gonna that's gonna be on the Twitter. That that's gonna be trending for a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. What would the hashtag be like on that? Big dude in the sky. <laughs> Stonehead. Yeah. <laughs> or I want to buy into the MLM. <laughs> uh, how, how can I get me some celestial crypto? <laughs> Please. Can you give a brother a celestial NFT? I'm going to need about 350. That's right. Three For that NFT. 350. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so you got docked a couple there. All right, I, I, I lost two there. Uh, so the Eternals didn't interfere until now because there's a bigger threat coming, and dot 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 Annihilus, which was Jabroni. Oh, I still don't even know who that is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just figured you you either made that name up or or read it somewhere. Uh, so we both had Jabroni on that. So that is mm-hmm. that one. Now here's an interesting one. The yes. Eternals didn't interfere until now because there's a bigger threat coming, dot, dot, dot. The Celestials themselves. Yes. So I put this with a question mark as the real only because given what we just talked about, the appearance of Arsham, 
and 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 had just how massive he was and so forth would seem to indicate that he that they could he or or others could be a bigger threat but was that really determined here and uh want to get your thoughts so i think it's because the the hint, the the weird part there is i mean if you cut a part of that you know the earliest sentence out then it works perfectly the eternals didn't interfere now because the celestials themselves perfect the real case dismissed you know mm-hmm. um because there's a bigger threat coming the celestials themselves because you're there is a part of that that would in say well they didn't it was an active decision not to interfere because they knew they were going to have to fight the celestials uh, it's a little bit wonky because then it's like, well, then why hadn't they been doing anything up until then? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they didn't interfere because it was a bigger threat coming the Celestials themselves as the real. I mean, it could work because they didn't interfere, interfere because the Celestials basically told them not to. And then the Celestials wound up becoming the bigger threat. Well, man, I, well, actually, you- so, so here was my thinking for putting it the real original. Mm. Yeah, was because Arisham says, you know, he he takes the three and he disappears, and he says, you know, I'm I'm going to judge humanity based on your memories, and there will be judgment, and that's what I was kind of interpreting as the bigger threat. But I think what was what's interesting about you were just saying, like what you were just kind of explaining through, was I wasn't really thinking about it from the perspective of why the Eternals didn't interfere. Yeah, that's like, the, like that's that, the part. Yeah, that's the part that I I don't think I plugged into when I read the Celestials themselves, because the entire reason for him to do the judgment was because of their rebellious nature, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and stopping the MLM from happening. Yeah. So that kind of makes me lean more toward the jabroni. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to argue against myself here. I, I think that you're right, because they didn't have any foreknowledge that the Celestials would be the enemy. Well, I mean... Hmm. You could okay. Here's the one argument, and I will I will say right up front: it's whiffa thin. <laughs> there it is. We got at least one whiffa thin. So we're talking 500 years between when Ajak kind of knows what reveals what the mission is about, mm-hmm. and when stuff goes all sideways, and we get the events of the movie. So you could say that. Even though, because she knew that, and then watched the events of Infinity War and Endgame, and makes a decision that change, she changes her mind before this movie begins, correct? Mm-hmm. So, as that's all happening, part of what she might be thinking could be that, I don't like this. We're not going to, I don't, I'm not going to follow through on this plan. Like, she's already formulating that. And that that, that becomes mm-hmm. an active decision to not interfere, because if eventually we're going to have to we're not going to follow through on this plan. We're going to have to deal with the Celestials. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to I'm not going to get the band back together and try and do anything. That's the one line of thinking that you could take to say this is the real because Ajax has that knowledge mm-hmm. and is obviously having a change of heart alongside of the events of the MCU happening. So right. you could say that by her inaction as the leader and not getting the band back together to do stuff, she is actively thinking in line of if I don't follow through with what the Celestials want, then I'm, we're going to have to answer for it and we're going to have to do something. Right. That's the one way that you could look at that. And I, I admit it's not a strong argument. But mm-hmm. what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going back to the interference aspect of it. 
because mm-hmm. that, that that just has nothing to to really do with it. And honestly, it's one of those things that what begat what, right? Mm-hmm. If, if 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 you argue, okay, the Eternals go along with what their original purpose was, and mm-hmm. birth Tiamat or whatever the name of the next celestial was supposed to be, the next sole proprietor, yes, MLM Prime. Um, no, no, no. That's not MLM Prime. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, not Prime. Uh, <laughs> that's like the that's the downline manager. Who's- bottom of the barrel MLM guy. Uh, <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, come lately. I believe yes, is the term. Yes. <laughs> then, oh, well, I mean, there there is no bigger threat because because of the fact that they would have carried out their mission, but they also would have obliterated everything. But life would have gone yeah. on. You know, like like the like there would have been something else that came after that. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But yeah, no, I I think it's yeah, I think it has to be Jabroni because mm. you you really have to do some serious mental gymnastics and yeah and and some very interesting arguments to get to the real. And and I think to your point, if you cut out the first half of the sentence, and I think you said this, if you just left it as there's a bigger threat coming, yeah, then I I would agree that that's a hundred percent real. Yeah, you'd have to do some editing to the actual question, which because then you know therefore the tells you will will come back at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. Jabroni. I talked myself out of some points. What All right. Ends? All right. The Jabroni it is. Next independent uh, rumor. That's going to be Kang. Oh, jeez. Variant. Ramatut will appear. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, we read this somewhere and then somewhere again, and it's it was false then, and it's still false. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the truth of that one has not, has not shifted one way or another. Mm-hmm. So that is Jabroni, and we both guessed Jabroni, so plus one for each of us. The next one, uh, N. Sabanuer, a.k.a. Yep. the Mutant Apocalypse, will make an appearance, and Uncle Todd kept his head, kept a cool head, and uh, did not go the real, even though he likes the mutants. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we both said Jabroni. That was Jabroni. There were no hints of N. Sabanuer. Uh, the last two. Oh, this is where things go Last right down the two. toilet. <laughs> this is, this is where it gentlemen. all goes down the drain. <laughs> although, <laughs> although mm-hmm. I will, I, I, I do have an argument for the final one, but this next one is inexcusable. This is horrific <laughs> on my part. Well, I have to ask you this. Do we even know who Crow was at the time? Do we think Crow was no. an eternal? Okay. No, I thought it was, I thought it might've been like the, the, one of the robots from mystery science theater 3000. I I I I had no clue. I don't, I I was I I So have if no you had excuse. known that Crow was a deviant, you probably I, would have been like no. Yeah, I I had no idea what the hell. I was on that I was on that CBD seltzer or whatever the hell I was drinking last week. You, I don't know you, what was you going were riding high. So Yeah, I I have no clue what was happening. And just <laughs> and just to be clear, I wasn't CBD seltzer. I was making a joke, all right? So before I get the the anti-weed lobby at, after me for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Anyways. So, so yeah. That was a that was a that was jabroni jabroni well, jabroni. Yes. So so this this rumor was Thena. So Angelina Jolie's character. Oh yeah, we didn't even get to the we didn't even read it out. And uh. Crow's child slash children will be the first uh. mutants in the MCU. So for those who have seen uh, uh. the Eternals, uh, Crow <laughs> is is in fact the the deviant who is going through and kills two of them and absorbs their powers in the process. Uh-huh. And does have a face off with Thena, but she dispatches him. In short order, so yeah, uh, so that there there were no child or children there, and therefore no mutants. So Uncle Todd said the real, 
I said the jabroni, Gosh. and this was the jabroni. So, the hell was I thinking? I don't know, but I just want to say my George Costanza strategy paid off. I yeah. I didn't fall for the bait. Nope, you didn't. I you didn't. didn't. And then Could the last one. Ugh. The Eternals are aware of Shang Chi's rings and their origin. This was one I threw in toward the end, and I think I caught Uncle Todd in a place of of mild euphoria where he said sure why not i'll say the real so now here's the thing though but but it was something that could have happened given given the time frame of shang chi true however this is so open-ended it's just they're aware of it they're aware in the movie did they make a statement they were aware no they no did not. but they might be oh good lord they could be aware good lord I'm just saying they could be. I mean, there's no explanation for them. And we, we got Fausto there who's who's tinkering away in Santa's workshop and coming up with all this neat stuff. Although it, oh. it, 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 it was kind of funny. One of the devices they tried to use for the Unimind was these bracelets they all had to wear. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's where the rings came from. Well, I'm just saying uh, it might. I it know. might. I know. I could make an argument that this, this, this. We should just throw this one out entirely, because we don't know. We just don't know. Well, I'm going to call the uh, jabroni on this one. Yeah, I'm probably so far behind right now. It doesn't matter, anyways. Uncle Todd said the real. I said the, the jabroni. So another plus two for me. Yep. All right. And we have. Where does that bring us, sir? We have adjudicated. So now we move on we to go. the the calculate. Oh, can we just get to the end of this and you could tell me what you want? <sighs> so, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever, Man They Call Tim has scored a victory. Uh, after tabulating the results, we have a score of 31 for the Man They Call Tim to Uncle Todd's 23. Mm. An eight-point uh, distance. Oh, for heaven's sake, can you drag this out anymore? Partially due to the mutant topic. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> but uh, in closing, victory is mine. Yes, please close. Please. <laughs> in the name victory of all that's holy. I need to think won. about what what uh, what what uh, vintage of Pappy I'm gonna <laughs> I'm I'll tell go. you right now, you'll get you'll get a bottle full of dog pee at this point. <laughs> Keep it up. All right. So to be determined what, uh, what the bottle will be. Yes. And uh, just to keep everyone further updated, uh, the second quarter has ended with the uh, with the Rams and the San Francisco game. San Fran is ahead 21 to 7. However, Debo uh, has not really done much in the last uh, few minutes there of the second quarter. He is still hovering at 16 fantasy points. Uh, Yahoo has now downgraded his potential, uh, his projected points to 25 for the game. Well shy of what Tim would need to push him over the top. Go Debo, actually, 66, baby, 66. Oh, no, you actually need more now because uh, I just realized your opponent has the kicker for the Rams going for him, and he actually scored a point. One point. Yep, so now you stand uh, 148 against his 198. So mm. you need Debo to score another 51 points. It could happen. No, it couldn't. He's it rushing could. and receiving. I mean, he it's scored. like and double. He, and, he, and he got 16 points in the in the first half. Think about what he's going to do in the second half. He ain't going to do 50. Oh, my gosh. You are so <laughs> riding high on your victory right now. Anyways, 
By the way, before we uh, switch over to Ann, another thing, I, I, I just want to mention um, my darling wife uh, was at the store today. She picked up for me in the magazine section, apparently, uh, a copy of Whiskey Advocate. Oh. Uh, I did not realize there was such a, a publication. And it's, uh, you know, topic for this fall issue of 2021 is bourbon, the hottest collectibles, new wave distilleries, pairing bourbon with food, barrel finishes, and more. So maybe I'll, I'll thumb through this and see if there's a, uh, you know, flavor that tickles my fancy. Hey, as long as it's under 15 bucks, you're good. <laughs> hey, come on now. The Koval was not under 15 bucks. <laughs> I'm on a budget, man. I'm on a budget here. <laughs> it's getting close to Christmas time. What are you going to order? Like Jack Daniels or something? Come on now. I know. That's way too expensive. I need like a, it's got to be something else. Like a, doesn't Poland Spring make a, make a bourbon? It's like fresh from Uncle Ned's tub, you know? <laughs> the one they wash the socks in. Yes. Oh, boy. And Uncle Ned. <laughs> and another thing. So what do you got for and another thing this week, sir? Sweet Moses. Well, this past week, I watched a documentary, four-part documentary with uh, my wife on Amazon Prime called Lula Rich. And it is... It is the sad tale, if 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 I may qualify it, of a the explosive growth of the LuLaRoe company. Oh my uh, you, gosh! You, yeah. you heard me throw the MLM term out there quite a bit. Uh, this was definitely probably one of the more egregious MLMs that they came out back in the day, uh, early oh, 2010s. So bizarre and weird that uh, oh, oh yeah, my gosh, my, yeah. My wife still has such hatred for LuLaRoe stuff. Yeah, the the owners did not come off well in this uh really just seemed just out there and not dealing with reality you, you know it, it was a cautionary tale and, and of course because you know of, of what it did to a lot of people just very uh you know very sad to kind of see how you know with these sorts of things there there's all that promise that's kind of dangled out there in front of people who who are looking for different ways of trying to earn an income you know while mm-hmm. caring for you know the family and the kids and that sort of thing and 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 really uh, doing a number on those families um, mm. in the process, and so it's it's really the story of of you know it's the origin story, it's the story of how they grew and and grew fast, and and just uh, you know the, the the lavish conventions they would have, and and just how over time at some point it just got to a point where they they just couldn't keep up with the growth, and it started to impact the quality of the product that you know these these women were trying to sell, and it just was. Just not good all around. So, so just a cautionary tale of of how there really are no get rich quick schemes in life. Mm-hmm. You know, it may seem like it on the surface, and you know, certainly those who come early to, to these sorts of things may see the benefits. But uh, but you know, if, if if you're late to the game, it doesn't end well. So um, no, 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 no. So no. just I, I mean, probably not doing a great job selling this, but but it was very informative. It was very interesting, and, and I I was really. You know what was compelling for me was was the stories of of a number of women who had really worked their way up into the upper echelon and and are now just the most biggest advocates against the company, given you know what they understand now of 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 just how badly run it is and and just how uh, irresponsible you know the the management and the ownership was. So wait a minute, so, are they still are they still a thing? Like are they still they out are there? still a thing? But a lot of the financial you know, kind of perks that came with it have changed significantly. So I don't think the wow. promise of making the money the way you used to is there. 
a lot of the bonuses that some of the early uh, adopters were were getting were really due more to them uh, not hiring, but um, what do you call it? Recruiting. Recruiting, yeah. shanghaiing, basically <laughs> blackmailing. Yeah. No, seriously, like there were women who were getting like these, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollar bonus checks a month, and it was all based on the fact that because because the way they had priced it out, if you were able to recruit a number of uh, people, the bonuses somehow worked out in in, in that manner um, oh, on yeah, top was- of the money they would earn from the shows that they would do. Yeah, it was like thousands of dollars to buy into this. Yeah, like oh yeah, thousands. yeah. It, base base price was five grand. Base price. That's that is it's to sell the ugliest leggings ever mm-hmm. devised yeah. by mankind. It, it was, oh my gosh! Like here, you want to buy some leggings with like hamburgers on them? What am I in kindergarten? I mean, well, first of all, I'm a dude, but I mean, I'm just trying to put it. I'm trying to put it in in perspective as like someone, a, a, a woman of my age, going, yeah, I want, I want those. Mm-hmm. Really ghastly looking things. I know, yes, I know. crazy. I'm I'm shocked that it actually lasted as long as it did. Truly, yeah. wow. I'm gonna have to give that a look because you know every so often I'm in the mood to watch a good car wreck, and that yeah. sounds like yeah, that sounds like a pretty interesting one. No, it is. It is. So, Lula Rich on Amazon Prime. Nice. Well, for me, I'll, I'll go in a bit of a literary direction. I picked this one up uh, about a week ago. Uh, this book is called This is How You Lose the Time War, and it's by Amal El-Motar, I think. I hope I apologize if I'm butchering that name. I didn't have a chance to look it up to actually hear the pronunciation. And Max Gladstone. Uh, so here's a quick little synopsis. Uh, and this is on the back cover of the book. And I've, I've he- I heard of this through a couple of different channels and then read the read the synopsis. So I was like, all right, I'm in. This is just crazy enough that I'll, I'll give it a shot. Uh, but the, the synopsis goes thusly. Among the ashes of a dying world, an agent of the commandant finds a letter. It reads, burn before reading. Thus begins an unlikely correspondence between two rival agents hell-bent on securing the best possible future for their warring factions. Now, what began as a taunt, a battlefield boast, becomes something more, something epic, something romantic, something that could change the past and the future, except the discovery of their bond would mean the death of each of them. There's still a war going on, after all, and someone has to win. That's how war works, right? So this is a very interesting book. It's sci-fi, but it is – the prose reads – a lot like poetry in point and in, in some areas, it's very well written, and I was very curious how this worked out because it's told from the from the perspective of these two agents, and that one is called Red and one is called Blue. Those are the the names that you're given. Uh, so I was I did a little bit of research. Red's letters were written entirely by Gladstone, and Blues by El Motar. Although they wrote a general outline beforehand, the reactions of each character were developed with a genuine element of surprise on receiving each letter, and the scenes accompanying the letters were written using that emotional response. So it, it was written collaboratively, kind of even though they knew like, okay, we want to go from here to here and maybe hit these points in between, they would write these letters, which feature very prominently in each kind of section of the book, and then reply back to them and then would then write kind of the scenario surrounding that letter afterwards, which to me, it just makes because I'm, I'm always very interested in behind the scenes stuff and, and how all the things are put together and all that. Just knowing that makes it so fascinating for me and how this book was was written. It's a very quick read. At least yeah. it was for me, because I as I got into it, I just wanted to find out 
what happens next. And I kept yeah. going, kept going, kept going. And it, it was, became very addictive. Nice. Um, it's not a huge tome. So it's, it is a, a couple hundred pages, uh, but it is, it is very addictive once you get into it and it's very interesting. And even though it is kind of, it, it is sci-fi ish because you're dealing with time travel kind of makes it sci-fi by default. It really is very much like about the characters. It is very much a character study in two parts and in correspondence. Uh, and it's very, very, very well written. I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, I'm going to give it a little bit of time to breathe. I've got a couple mm-hmm. other books that I want to read. And I could I'm, I could see myself rereading this in, in a couple months and going nice. back and revisiting it after I've forgotten enough of it to make it kind of fresh, but also remembering just enough to add to that. But yeah, a great book. And I'll have a link for that in the show notes. And it's just a great read. If you can find it at your library or at the link uh, we post, uh, it's, it's well worth your time. Interesting. Especially yes, how they wrote it. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. I've, I have never heard of a book being written like that before. And as I was reading it, that was one of the things in my head where I was like, I wonder how they wrote this. And I refused mm-hmm. to look it up as I was reading it because I didn't want to take myself out of the book. I didn't want to know any of the mechanics until after I'd finished. Nice. And so I, I did look it up afterwards and I was kind of shocked at how that how that worked. And even though in, in my head, I kind of was hoping that it was something like that. It was, it's one of those things where I was like, nah, it couldn't have been. That's just way too organic and like you, you couldn't do it that way. And then you find out it was done that way. It's so, it's so pleasant and it, it just, I, I don't know, it just was a, was a very pleasant surprise. Nice. Very nice. Yes, indeed. Well, now we come to that portion of the show that, well, you've either been dreading or you've been praying on bended knee for the past hour and a half for it to come for the sweet, sweet release of... Well, the end credits. So uh, now we come to the portion of the show where we wrap all this up and we thank all the members of the Free Range Idiocy Congregation for gathering together and for for reading from the pages of the Idiocracy for repentance and release through idiocy, for redemption, if you will, through idiocy, which quite honestly is about our only hope. We are nothing if not brand loyal. And uh, this is all we got, folks. This is all we got. We've got our idiocy. Tim knows a little bit of math and bourbon that's really it that's all we got that's it <laughs> ask anyone who knows this and they'll go yeah it's about right yeah uh so we uh, we appreciate y'all tuning in and listening to our foolhardiness hopefully you you learned something we probably didn't but hopefully you did uh if you would uh, if you enjoyed the podcast be sure to tell friends tell enemies tell people in random ubers that you happen to be taking or if you're stuck next to the, next to someone on a plane for like three hours Tell about free range EDC. That'll shut them up. Uh, so, <laughs> way to sell it, man. Way to sell it. I'm just saying, you, we could be your secret weapon mm-hmm. for shutting down that annoying person who won't stop talking to you. Mm-hmm. We we could be your secret weapon. So you know, do with it what you will. Use it wisely. Uh, so you can find us at freerangeedc.com. That's where you can find all of our episodes. You can find us on fine podcast purveyors of all kinds like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a bunch of others, iHeartRadio, all that fun stuff. Look for us. Ask for us by name, in fact. And if you uh, haven't followed us on social media as well, good Lord, get to clicking. You can find us on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. All of those are at FreeRangeEDC. If you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, outright offers of bribery, or perhaps you want to make an argument about one of these uh, real or jabronis and uh, maybe, you know, help me out with a few extra points. Uh, you know, I know I'm not going to overtake Tim, but it, it get me a little closer. You know, that's what I'm just saying, you know, groundswell of support. Uh, you send those to Tim at FreeRangeEDC.com and he will be back with you forthwith, if not sooner. And now... 
we finally come to that portion of the show where I stop flapping my gums. We hand things off to the man they call Tim to take us home on the anchor leg. And in that moment, we ask, of course, the second most important question ever asked by humankind. The first, of course, being what is hip? The second being, what the hell did we learn tonight? We learned the following. Aha. Uncle Todd, he's on the path of fantasy football redemption. Yeah. Five and five. Mm-hmm. And it's costing me the- It's costing me in other areas of my life. <laughs> Where the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. <laughs> Whereas the I man I would they- much rather he giveth in this other area. <laughs> yes, yes. The man they call Tim is navigating some choppy waters, but navigating he is. Still on top of the pile. Uh, Disney Plus. Plus. Uh, they are releasing a lot of good content. Check it out. Under the Helmet, Boba Fett. Fantastic. And uh, hopefully at some point soon we'll have a, an actual like trailer. Well, well, we'll get the trailer for Obi-Wan well before we get the BSG reboot. So, Oh, well, yeah. Before we even get an outline for BSG. That much is for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, farewell to Dean Stockwell. John Cavill, number one. We thank you. And as we've uh, discussed, we've we've debated, we've adjudicated, calculated, tabulated, <sighs> contemplated. I swear, just round it up, dude. Round it up. You won. Take your winnings. The man they go. call Tim victorious. He'll be contemplating. You know what? Chad Osho Cinco used to do all this little, you know, he used to, he couldn't win gracefully. And where's Chad right now? Where's Chad? I think he's working at a warehouse somewhere. All right. Well, I'll basically end up where it all started. So I was going to say, you started there, you can always go back. That's right. That's right. Ah, uh, yes. But Eternal was. was it? What was oh. it uh, Don Rickles, uh, no, Bob Newhart said at Don Rickles' uh, roast, you know, he says, they always say that you meet the same people on the way up as you do on the way down. Don assured me that it's a totally different set of people on the way down and to hell with them. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob, always the comedic genius. Love it. Yes. Love it. But yes, Eternals, a fantastic movie. Check it out. V- very good story if you haven't seen it. And I guess at this point, if you're listening still, we've spoiled it very well for you. Yep. Um, but nonetheless, the real in the jabroni has taken place. All results are final. And uh, the man they call Tim will be uh, determining what bottle of bourbon or booze will be uh, sent out to the Midwest. Yep. Whatever you like, under $12. <sighs> It just went down by three since like 10 minutes ago. What happened? Because you can't stop flapping your gums and doing your little end zone dance. Every time you do that, I start bringing down the price. Oh, soon now you're going to be getting like three nips of fireball and that's going to be it. (laughs) Whatever I can get for three fitty. That's all. All right. right. Keep in mind, they got tax here in Maine, so you got to account for that. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you for the download this past week. We thank you for the listenership and continue the support. As Uncle Todd has said, please, uh, you know, hit hit the pod bean, hit all the sources, listen to the old episodes, the, 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 the three hour journeys we took talking BSG. Oh, those were uh, the days. Ah, those were the good old days. Uh, but for now, uh, we we bid you adieu, and, and as we typically uh, are ought to wish you, uh, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And, you know, Uncle Todd now has to go out and buy a bottle of booze for the man they call Tim, so uh, we need to, you know, generate a little cash for him for that. So please, would you please remember to hit the lights on the way out? 
do it. So the interesting thing is I'll be back at the Free Range EDC HQ for uh-huh. our next episode. Ooh. Which means I got to record with Patrick again. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've, I've been wanting to ask you where, where you've been remote. I mean, what, what has Patrick been doing with himself? Is he just, you know, wandering the streets of, of, of the, the, the Northeast region or, or what, what's he doing there? Well, he's, he's, I've, the thing is I've been able to offset my schedule enough. So I'm not, I'm not crossing paths with him a whole lot. I have a feeling he's, he's been spending a lot of time out walking the earth, like, you know, cane <laughs> from Kung Fu. That's what I <laughs> trying to I, get a little Zen going on. I, I get the feeling cause he looks rumpled. He really does. Uh, I mean, I know rent is too damn high. We know that much, but I, I, I have a feeling he might be living out of the office. I'm not sure. And that's, and actually it smells a lot like he's living out of the office. However, it, with me being there and recording there and, and doing much more there, I'm probably going to have to one, uh, find a place for him to live that isn't the office and two, uh, get a fumigator in because there is a, a definite college level funk going on in there right now. I'm pretty sure he's left a burrito somewhere and I don't know if I'm going to find it before it reaches critical mass. Find it or smell it. (laughs) Oh, I can smell it. I just can't quite track it down yet. And I have a feeling it's going to get to a point where it's going to go absolutely rancid and then we're going to, it's going to set off the fire alarm. Oh dear. Now get the hell out of here. (laughs) 